one 9646 is the number. It is help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. We'll get to it. Injurycalculator.ca as well. Got a uh, jam-packed show today. Savannah, you're here. James, of course, is here. And we have Dr. Payne doing a, a cameo on the show today. Crossing the hall. Little uh, little crosstalk going on here. So what's uh, what's going on with you? What's happening? All right. So I'll start off, John. Um, San Fiero Tamarkin uh, was very proud to participate in the United Way Climb of the CN Tower, which happened on uh, Sunday the 5th. So that was last Sunday. Um, and uh, it was a great event. The event raised over a million dollars for the United Way. Uh, we had many people from our firm uh, participate in climbing the tower, myself included. And uh, thankfully, I survived. I was going to say, you look all right. <laughs> yeah, Barely. yeah. No, I made it up. Yeah. 30 minutes and 17 seconds, um, which was fine. I'm happy enough with that. But we had uh, a lot of very generous contributors, and I really wanted to um, just say thank you to everybody who participated and everybody who helped contribute. And in particular, a shout-out to Terry Corcoran, our friend, uh, who uh, made a very generous contribution to our fundraising efforts. Yeah, Terry's a good boy. Did That's you go, right. Savannah? Were you up there? Uh, no, I Captain actually had an Jim? event. Captain Jim? No, you didn't yeah, go? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was going to, but then I had an event the night before. And, mm-hmm. uh, anyways, long story yeah, short, I didn't you. have yeah. babysitting. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Hashtag hangover. So uh, continue. <laughs> All right. So let's start off with the week that was when it comes to disability and injury. Let me uh, read you an email, not an email, a question that was posted to one of our websites, uh, a free website, uh, questions and answers. You post a question, I answer within minutes, mydisabilityquestions.com. And this one came from Gabrielle uh, in in Toronto. Here's what she wrote. Uh, She wrote, I suffer from PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, anxiety, and severe depression. Uh, Major triggers for my PTSD are unfamiliar medical personnel and environments. And this was compounded last year when I was uh, sexually abused by one of my doctors. I've been on LTD with Sun Life for the past 10 and a half months. I see a licensed psychotherapist who I trust on a regular basis. Sun Life has just informed me that I have to start an eight-week back-to-work program of their choosing that includes treatment by several different medical practitioners. My PTSD is still very debilitating. I'm terrified to start this new program, and my anxiety has skyrocketed. Uh, I'm now having frequent Panic attacks. Sun Life has told me that if I don't participate in the program immediately, I could be financially mm-hmm. penalized or cut off from my benefits entirely. Is this legal? What are my options? And, and remember, you can see this question and my answer online on yep. that website. So, you know, this is not unusual. It's not unusual at all. And James is going to talk about that too in the context of uh, a, a case that he was dealing with. We get a lot of these questions. The insurance company is telling me that I have to start a return to work program. I'm not ready. My doctor doesn't think that I'm ready. Can I refuse? What happened if I refuse? Can they penalize me? Can they cut me off? Well, look, the short answer is that you have to do or you should do what your doctor is recommending. Now, if your doctor says that you should be able to go back, but you don't physically or mentally are able to, well, then you should have a discussion with your doctor. But generally speaking, uh, speaking, people are in tune with their doctor's recommendations. And if your doctor is saying you're not ready yet and you don't feel ready yet, there is absolutely no reason why the insurance company is forcing you back into a um, return to work program, whatever that may be. And remember, that doesn't mean you're going to go back eight hours a day. It could mean that it's two hours a day. But if you're not ready, you're not ready. Now, what happens if they end up telling you, listen, you didn't comply with our request. We're going to cut you off. I'll tell you what you do. You do what this lady did. She posted that question. She got the answer. We'll be able to help her. How are we able to help her? Well, oftentimes when insurance companies use these tactics of intimidation, we can step in, 
first of all, we can push back against the insurance company and tell the insurance company, look, here's the medical, uh, here are the medical reports. Here's the opinion from the treating physician who says she's unable to go back to work. If you go ahead and cut her off, you're going to get a claim, a legal claim from our office the very next day on your desk. Many times, insurance companies end up backing off when they get a letter or an email from us. If they don't, we will be in a position to start a legal claim. And why that's important? Because essentially, we're fighting fire with fire. If they actually do that, if they cut you off, and all you've done is follow your medicals, your, your, your doctor's medical advice and not go back to work, we have grounds to challenge their decision. And we can push back very hard. We can force the insurance company to the table to pay you the compensation that you deserve. So don't worry about a situation where the insurance company is threatening to cut you off. Come to us. Right. Talk with us. We will give you your legal options. Don't think that you have to deal with the insurance company is dictating. Follow your doctor's advice. That's the lesson. And I, I would add that I think it's really important uh, to note that this is someone who's suffering from PTSD, right. which is a particularly virulent um, issue to be dealing with. Um, We've seen that in the past very frequently insurers take that kind of position with um, mental health claims, and PTSD would certainly qualify in that regard. Um, and they're going to have to start changing the way that they practice. They can't really be dealing with mental health claims significantly differently than they're dealing with the physical health claims. And that's what the Supreme Court has said quite recently, and they're going to have to start changing the, the practices. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is a number again. That was uh, mydisabilityquestions.com. If you haven't used it, check it out. Go through some of the questions. Maybe yours has been answered already. Injury calculator. We'll get to that after a short break. Lots more of the insurance and injury law show on the way. Talk radio, AM six forty. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at the insurancelawyer.ca through email, and uh, we'll get to uh, another question here before we uh, turn on to uh, to different things as well. Go ahead, pal. Okay, so this is a car accident case. We were contacted uh, by a lady who was in a car accident this past August with her 15-year-old daughter. Uh, It was a rear-end collision. Uh, They were hit from the back. It was a pretty severe accident. The daughter uh, suffered a pretty serious head injury. Uh, and when, when we were contacted, we were described that, we were told that, you know, the best way to describe the injury was uh, shaken baby syndrome. She's facing a pretty uphill battle. Uh, that's what the email reads. Constant medical physio appointments. She isn't able to go back to school. Sorry, she's not able to go back to school full time. At this point, she's only doing half days, uh, which for someone in grade 10 is not good. Apparently, her mother has had to reduce her work uh, to part-time in order to assist her daughter to get appoint- to, to appointments, etc. So, you know, this is a very, very significant accident. And uh, James actually touched base uh, w- with the mother, and he's going to chime in a bit about that conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what I want to outline to, to people is that if you're involved in a car accident and you suffer a concussion, which is a very serious injury. I mean, you know, if you were to just go on Google and type in concussion, that is a brain injury. Now, some concussions uh, get better. Sometimes the symptoms go away. Sometimes they don't go away. And, you know, there, there is, there, there is a, 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 you know, certain um, routine that you have to follow. The doctors will tell you, uh, you know, you have to watch for uh, you know, various symptoms that can include uh, blackouts, memory loss, uh, double vision, all that kind of stuff. From a legal standpoint, 
Very, very important for the mother to have reached, it, uh, reached out to us now. Why? Because uh, her daughter and her, frankly, are going to be owed. They're going to be entitled to certain benefits from their own insurance company. The automobile they were in, it had insurance. They're going to have certain mm-hmm. uh, uh, benefits they're entitled to, both the daughter and the mother. But, you know, there is even a bigger claim here potentially against whoever hit them from behind. That person also has insurance. And that insurance company presumably would have been notified of this because they were told about the Mm -hmm. accident. When you're dealing with someone, especially somebody so young, 15-year-old, who has suffered a concussion a few months back and the symptoms are not going away despite treatments, you know, the concern here is that you're going to have long-standing effects. What does that mean? Is she ever going to be able to reach her full potential? Are we dealing with a permanent brain injury here? What does that mean in terms of the amount of income that she's not going to be able uh, to earn in the future? What about all the treatments that she may require? What about the fact that her mother is now has reduced her work hours uh, and and now she's incurring losses as a result of that. You know, there's a lot to unpack here. We would need more than this one hour that we have today to talk just about this single case. The lesson for everyone out there is that if you are in a car accident, you've suffered a serious injury or maybe somebody in the car with you suffered a serious injury. There are benefits that are owed to you from your insurance company and you potentially may have a claim for substantial compensation from whoever was at fault for the accident. We're going to be able to explain that to you if you contact us, go through everything and tell you what the timelines are. Because don't forget, there are certain timelines that you have to be aware of, right? You can't just wait 15 years before you start a claim for this. (laughs) Not to mention the fact that the sooner you contact us, the sooner we tell you what your options are, the sooner you can access a lot of the benefits that perhaps 10 years from now, you're not going to be able to access or they're not going to do you any good. So really, really important. If you are in a situation like this or you know somebody who's been in a situation like this, have them contact us. Let us help at least by giving them their legal options. James, if you can just uh, talk about uh, your conversation with the mother, that'd be great. Sure. Uh, One of the things that really struck me when I was talking to this lady is that she had actually already spoken to another lawyer. And that lawyer had told her, well, you know, why don't we wait another six months, see how things are doing, let's take a cautious approach. I don't understand that. I don't, I really, I can't for the life of me understand how a lawyer who understands how the law works in this area would need anything more to say, yes, there's a claim here, let's get it started. The sooner you start your claim, the sooner you get things rolling, the sooner you're going to be able to recover. It's as simple as that. Um, You know, there are some cases where you might want to wait if it's not a certain claim, if there isn't an objective injury, then yeah, maybe you want to wait a little while to make sure. But this is not that case. This is a 15-year-old who has a very clear injury as a result of an accident that was somebody else's fault. Um, And, you know, thankfully, when she got that advice from the other lawyer, she knew that she knew that there was something wrong. It didn't smell right to her, and she called us. And I'm glad that she did because we can help her. Um, but you know, if you're in that situation and you're getting legal advice that you're not sure about, then get a second opinion. Make sure you're getting an opinion from someone who knows what they're talking about. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And normally uh, Saturdays at noon, the Doctor Payne Show. Luigi is here to uh, to put have his two cents and talk about where you guys. Well, there's confluence between the both of you all the time, right? I guess in both your businesses. So absolutely, we'll talk a little bit about that. Luigi, of course, you do the Doctor Payne Show. I do uh, physio consultations. You deal with LTD. You deal with this stuff all the time, right? Correct. Yeah, cool. for sure. 
So, uh, Dr. Payne, yes. uh, let, let, let me pose a few questions to you. And, and, you know, these are questions that I get from, from clients who contact me, and you see this every day. Uh, so, for my audience, people who are listening, yeah, what kind of treatments do you offer your patients at your clinic who suffer from disabling conditions, um, right. let's say as a result of which they need to be on long-term disability? Right. Um, yeah, that's a very good question. I think the biggest thing when it comes to pain management and disability cases is that in, in order to really treat these people the proper way is you have to have the full spectrum of services available to you. And that's what I've tried to really build uh, with my team because you could have a person who um, the majority of their disability may be more on that psychosocial component. And so therefore you need to have the psychiatrist and the psychologist and the social workers working on that end. That may also be coupled with uh, physical injuries and physical impairments. And then you'll need to have the people who are better on that realm, physiotherapists, chiropractors, massage therapists, whatever that may be. Um, also, you may need to have uh, physicians involved, uh, more specialists. Sometimes people have these debilitating injuries, but they also have a comorbidity, uh, like something autoimmune. So maybe a rheumatologist needs to be involved in the care. So I think really uh, the best answer that I have to that is that I try to involve every single practitioner that's disposable to us in the Canadian healthcare system in whatever way it can be. Um, and it really is dependent on what that person is suffering from. And so so uh, identifying the specific diagnosis or multiple diagnoses that they may have really dictates what that treatment intervention is. And we try to really fit in uh, wherever we can and in any one of those areas, whether it be uh, psychosocial, um, physical, and any other component of the health. We'll take a, a short break. More with uh, Dr. Lou here on the show. In the meantime, one 990 is the number to get a hold of Savan and his team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca as well. We'll get to that and the injury calculator. Busy stuff today in the show, so uh, stick around a short break. The Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM 640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number to get a hold of Savannah and the rest of the team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. If you haven't checked it out yet, injurycalculator.ca as well. Find out what the pain and suffering component of your claim could be. Uh, Dr. Payne is uh, in studio with us, joining us for this hour because there's a lot of stuff you guys can talk about. You could do four shows on this, but uh, we'll get to another question. James yeah, we, we can do a ton of shows on this yeah. stuff. And w- w- one of the areas that we talk about quite a lot is long-term disability. We have a lot of people contacting us. Uh, you know, because they're fighting with their insurance company. Insurance companies cut them off, denied their disability claims. So one of the questions I have uh, for you uh, is, you know, we, when I advance, when James advances a claim, a legal claim against the insurance company, we are often reliant mm-hmm. on the um, the clinics and, and the medical practitioners, people who have been seeing these patients. How do you work with lawyers uh, to help your patients with their LTD claims? How do you strengthen their case or how do you help the lawyer strengthen the case? For sure. Um, in my experience, a lot of people who are moving towards a long-term disability are obviously involved with their healthcare professionals, oftentimes maybe even before they're involved uh, with their lawyers. And so, you know, myself and my team, we always make the point of making sure, and that, that goes for long-term disability, uh, car accidents, whatever it is, that you always have a lawyer on your side. Our our scope of practice is healthcare. And a lot of these things, as you started the show, the insurance companies are often trying to get these people off of their their benefits. And then these people will want to turn to us, the healthcare professionals, on how can we prevent that? That's not our job. We don't really deal with that. What we make sure to do is is provide the very best care. And also a big thing that I think is 
very important with correspondence with uh, the lawyers, as I'm sure you'll agree, Savan, is the is the correspondence in terms of the the clinical notes that are available, because that's essentially what's going to help build a person's claim. And if you have the right clinic and that clinic is corresponding with the lawyer, they'll know that to make sure that these clinical notes are always the best that they can possibly be, because the reality is practitioners, healthcare practitioners tend to get busy and they may, you know, not put as much effort into certain cases for whatever reason. But it's very, very important when there's a third party or a legal claim that that these things are absolutely as detailed as possible. Absolutely right. I mean, the amount of times that I get a clinic's file or a practitioner's file and the notes are in disarray, you can't read anything. It's a little one-pager. It's a one-pager. You know, very, very, uh, it's just not helpful. It doesn't help at all. So, you know, when you're describing what you're describing, the fact that you're even cognizant of that, let alone that, you know, at your clinic, you know, and the people that you work with, that they actually take care to make sure that their notes are detailed uh, and the treatments are detailed. And that's extremely helpful for when we advance cases. Patients, a lot of the times will say, you know, you you build a relationship with patients and they'll say a lot of things to you. And one of the things that I've tried to do is use in my clinical notes, a lot of quotations on what they're exactly saying, because then it's not left up to my interpretation of what they were saying. This is exactly what was said to me. I'm just simply uh, putting it in my clinical notes. And And I would assume that from the legal aspect, that probably both well because now that's coming from them. Yes, 100%. Uh, let me just turn to something a bit different, not LTD, but let's talk about, you know, a car accident or a slip and fall, particularly now we're entering the, you know, the winter season. This is when we're going to get a lot of people coming to us after an accident and, and you as well. Uh, so why is it even important? I mean, a lot of people don't even understand that. That's It's an elementary question, but, but why is it important to get treatments right after an accident, right after you're injured? And how do you deal with patients who have just had an accident? Right. Yeah, I think it's the, the biggest uh, component there is the chronicity factor. Most people, you know, when we're young, we tend to heal well. As we get a little bit older and we sustain injuries, I always talk about on the show that once you sustain a certain injury, whether that's something as simple as an ankle sprain, you're likely to keep spraining that ankle as time goes on and likely it's going to get more severe. Uh, it's going to happen more frequently. It might even hurt more and it might progress to other things. This is the same thing, especially, and that's something as simple as an ankle sprain. What about when you're dealing with something like you mentioned, a car accident where there's high impact uh, transferred from a vehicle into the human body? How does that affect you long term? And a lot of people in the in the first you know few weeks of their injuries or or of an accident don't really feel much that doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong there you should be getting checked you should be starting the treatments right away to prevent chronicity to prevent these injuries uh, from going on because the reality with the chronic nature of pain is that once you deal with something for you know the research is kind of mixed but I'll say around the six month period as you're dealing with those things for longer than six months you now start to make these issues chronic the problem with chronic issues is that there's a mental component and and a pain behavior and you can still experience pain in the absence of a true physical problem so dealing with that physical problem right away is very very important we'll continue with the more of that the number one 9646 help the and check out injury calculator that is injury as well we continue the insurance injury law show talk radio am 640 one triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six the number help the insurance lawyer.ca with your questions. You can go to fightformyltd.com as well if you haven't checked that website out. James, you got a question come in, go for it. Um, so the question is what happens if I try and return to work and fail and can you go back on LTD? So the short answer to that is yeah, you can, um, but with the caveat that each uh, policy of insurance is different and particularly uh, the return to work provisions 
can have some variability. So you want to make sure that you check what's written in the policy very carefully and to see what procedures will apply in your case. Uh, but what I what I would talk about, I, I had a lady contact me this past week um, with exactly this kind of um, issue, although it was a little bit more prospectively. So she had a very serious hamstring injury, and uh, she hasn't fully recovered. It's been quite a while, um, and there's really nobody that thinks that she's in any position to return to work, but she would really like to try, which is great. Um, and, you know, we certainly would encourage any of our clients that uh, want to go back to work to try. But as we've always talked about, the first thing you have to do is you have to go back and talk to your doctor. So she does that. She goes back, talks to her doctor, and her doctor says, well, if you really want to try, okay, but you got to limit your hours. You can only do it a few days a week, and then we'll circle back in six weeks and see how you're doing. Pretty reasonable approach, I would say. Her insurance company sees this, and they say, oh, no, 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 no. You can't have you know an open-ended return to work. Um, so after those six weeks, when you're on the modified hours, you have to return full time. Well, no, that's not written anywhere in the policy. I'm sorry. It's just not. Um, this is a very reasonable approach that the doctor is taking and the insurance company is trying to take advantage of someone who is doing what they should be doing, which is trying to find a way to get back to work. They should be encouraging people to do that, not making it more difficult for them. And, you know, simply put, there's no way that they're going to get away with that. It's so true. I mean, you guys want them off your off your insurance, so help them out. They're trying to mitigate. Yeah, and, right? and it's it's counterintuitive, right? right. I mean, they, they are creating a situation where a person, you know, especially when you're dealing with psychological types of, of issues, the person gets more depressed, more anxious. You are essentially guaranteeing that they will not be off benefits because you're not helping them, right? And, and remember, insurance is supposed to be there to provide you peace of mind. That's the whole point. It's a safety net, mm-hmm. some safety net, you know? one 990 We got to an email from Dale says, I've been getting long-term disability for three years and now the insurance company wants to cut me off because they say that they have a video of me showing that I went shopping and picking up my kids. I have severe depression and anxiety and I'm in the process of getting a divorce. I don't know what to do. I won't get any more money from my insurance company after December 15th. Well, Dale, first of all, thank you for contacting us because we should be able to help you here. In fact, we can help you here. So let me me break this down, Uh, John. Dale says that he's been on LTD for three years. Let's back up for a second. Remember that in the majority of LTD cases, LTD policies, the first two years of being on LTD, the question becomes, or the question is, can you do your own occupation? It's your own occupation test. Can you do your job? If you can't, then you're disabled. You should qualify under the LTD provisions of the policy. Beyond the two-year mark, the question then becomes, or the criteria for getting LTD expands. It's can you do any job for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience? So clearly, if Dale has one of these standard type of clauses, which the majority of policies have, he's already been approved beyond the two-year mark. Okay, so for the insurance company, to, uh, the insurance company to now come back and cut him off on the basis of a video that shows that he's able to go for some shopping and picking up his kids. I mean, look, he's suffering from a psychological from psychological issues. No one's ever said that he's paralyzed. No one's ever said that he's bedridden, right? But insurance companies take these kind of uh, black and white approaches to these cases. And remember, you know, I'm saying insurance company. What I'm really saying is the adjuster. The adjuster in Dale's case has made a decision, perhaps with consultations with his or her manager, but they've made a decision 
to pressure Dale to cut him off or to tell him he's going to get cut off. Now, here's the beauty of it. They haven't cut him off yet. So we can actually potentially interject right now. What I would want to do, Dale, is I would want to see the medical documents that support you being off disability. I want to see the letter you received that says you're going to get cut off as of December 15th. Uh, and I would probably want you to see somebody uh, in, in Luigi's clinic. And in fact, Luigi, maybe I can actually bring you in here and you can talk a bit about how you deal with these kinds of cases when people are suffering from psychological issues. It's very, very important, and I always talk about this on the show as well, that uh, the mental aspect, the mental disposition of a person is very important to how they experience their pain levels because pain actually at the end of the day is just a subjective interpretation of something happening in our bodies, and the way I experience my pain will be different than the way you experience your pain and different from the way that John maybe experiences uh, pain. And so it's very, very important to have um, the psychological intervention uh, included right away. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be overly formal in the beginning with a psychologist and psychiatrist. Uh, I make sure that all of the practitioners that I have are well-versed in uh, some of the very early things that you can be doing with people. I find that from a psychological component, one of the biggest things is education and reassurement of what's going on with them because they're not really sure, they don't understand, they're not a healthcare professional. So they just want a little bit of understanding of why do I feel this way, what's going on, is this normal, does it get better, and, and uh, most, most healthcare, primary healthcare professionals will be able to help them with that. If that person then identifies that there's a little bit more going on here, that's when you'd want to get a professional whose scope goes into those things, such as a psychologist, a psychiatrist, sometimes a social worker, um, to be involved in these types of cases. We'll take a, a short break at that point. one 990 is the number. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And if you want to find out what your pain and suffering component of your claim should be, the good number, injurycalculator.ca as well. It's the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640. One triple eight nine nine zero ninety six forty six. The number help at theinsurancelawyer.ca is the email. Now, James, you wanted to follow up on something that uh, Luigi was saying just before the break. Yeah. Well, actually, it was about uh, Dale's email, okay. um, which was talking about the surveillance um, of this gentleman. Um, and you know, they did the surveillance, and the the video was of him shopping and picking up his kids. You know, one has to wonder what they might possibly have found that they wouldn't have made that decision on. If that's the most that they found, and that was enough for them to cut him off, like I, I, there's nothing that they could have found that they wouldn't have made the same right. decision on. Right. Literally nothing. Savon, you worked for insurance companies for a while, and you, you must have hired many uh, investigators to conduct surveillance in the past. How, you know, how much time would they spend on their surveillance before you would get a report? Uh, you know, it really varies. Uh, they would be spending a few hours, uh, be spending a few days worth of surveillance. Uh, you know, but I, I can tell you just anecdotally from having ordered probably, I don't know, countless uh, uh, surveillance uh, of, of, of various people who have been making claims that they're injured, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times that the surveillance actually came back and was useful. I'm not talking about whether the insurance company acted on the surveillance. I'm saying, you know, oftentimes they will send people like Dale a letter saying, here's what we have on you. And mm. it's used more of an intimidation tactic. Right. It's not actually useful for them. It's just that Dale sees this and he's thinking, oh my God, there's somebody following me. me. And, and here's the thing you should understand. They don't have somebody outside of your home 24 hours a day. They will pick a day or two and they'll have somebody sort of going around. They're not allowed to make any contact with you. But I'm telling you, as somebody who worked for insurance companies in the past, 
most surveillance is useless. I'm not saying sometimes you don't have bombshells, but oftentimes it's useless. Actually, it's it can be quite useful, but useful the other way. It's true. true. I get <laughs> I get a report like that that says that they've done surveillance. My first question is, how many days of surveillance did it take for you to get this, you know, groundbreaking surveillance of my client, you know, picking up a bag of Cheerios and his kids? Watergate video. I mean, <laughs> I, but seriously, and if you know, if they've conducted 4 days of surveillance and that's all that they have, you better believe I'm going to be telling them that I'm going to be calling the investigator as a witness at trial because I want the jury to know that they've spent all this time and money trying to defeat this claim, and this is the best that they could come up with. Thanks for throwing me a bone. Yeah, no, seriously. It it can really work against them. It can backfire if you know what you're doing. So uh, questions to people on long-term disability often don't know if there's a point in challenging denial of benefits. We've been through this so many times. Uh, when should they call or email you for advice? Immediately. Yeah, right. Immediately. Exactly. And you know, not, not, not just when you're cut off or denied. You know, oftentimes, those cutoffs or denials will be preceded by signs. You know, you'll be asked to see one of the insurance company's doctors who's probably on their payroll. You're going to be asked to uh, start a, a return to work program yep. when, you know, you're not ready. There's going to be things that come up that when the insurance adjuster is asking you to do or say certain things or provide some documentation, something doesn't make sense to you, give us a call or email us. It's gonna cost you nothing to get that advice. And you know, once you have that legal advice, you're armed. I mean, you're essentially leveling the playing field with this huge behemoth of an insurance company. Don't assume that just because they're big and, and they have billions of dollars uh, you know, that, that is at their disposal, don't assume they want to use that money. Insurance companies love nothing more than not fighting these claims because fighting these claims with us means that they have to expend money on their lawyers. It means that eventually they're going to have to settle. They're going to have to actually pay out the claim. They don't like that. It just means money that they're not making. So the whole point here, The whole point is that they're going to do whatever they can to intimidate you, to make sure that you don't challenge their decisions, whether it's when they cut you off or along the way when they ask you to do certain things that simply don't make sense to you. So when that happens, give us a call or email us. Just talk to us. We'll give you the advice you need. And the denial's of beauty because you're appealing to the same people who just cut you off. Yeah, don't even don't right. even bother. Then if you're denied LTD uh, or you've been cut off or told you're going to be cut off, there, the letter you get sent to you, always at the bottom, the last paragraph, usually says you have X amount of days to appeal that decision. Mm-hmm. It's that word, appeal. You're not appealing to anyone outside the insurance company. You're appealing, you're essentially re-asking the insurance company uh, to reconsider their decision. The reality is that these appeals almost never work. I'm not going to say that they never work, but in my experience, they almost never work. And all that happens at the end of the day is that you're left depressed, anxious, Mm -hmm. more financially strapped, and then you end up coming to us. And at that point, we have to unpack your claim and figure out how to do damage control. So don't do that. As soon as you're denied uh, or cut off disability, call us, email us, let us help. Get to an email from Brandon, says, uh, one of my best friends was hit by a car a few days ago. He's still in the hospital with pretty bad injuries, including a spine injury. The doctor said that he'll need an operation. The driver that hit him was charged. His family is devastated. He has two small kids and obviously won't be able to work for a while. He's an engineer. Uh, What should he do legally? Can you come meet him and his family? 
Well, you know what? That's uh, it, it, Brandon. It's a fantastic question, and and you know I'm really sorry for what uh, you know your friend and his family are going through. Before I get into the legalities, I, I really want to get uh, Luigi's take on on the injuries and the treatments because we talked about how important it is to get treatments as soon as you have these uh, these right. kinds of injuries. Yeah. So I mean, from the email, I'd want to try to understand what exactly in the spine is injured. Could it be that a severe disc herniation or protrusion happened as a result of this accident, and so no, now there's pressure on the spinal cord or on a nerve root, or could it be something like a fracture that's potentially creating a instability in the spine and I guess trying in understanding what the exact problem in the spine is will dictate again what the treatment intervention should be uh, in that case but likely if they're saying that it would need surgery I would assume one of those two scenarios where it would be um, some type of a severe discogenic type of injury or uh, a fracture of the bones themselves. We'll take a short break. Savannah will pick up on that point after we return one 990 say this is the insurance and injury law show it's talk radio am 640 1-888-990-9646 help at the insurance lawyer.ca that is the email address to get a hold of savan and uh, james and the team uh, going back to brandon's email savan we talked to luigi about that about the injuries uh, car accident pretty bad spinal injury off work two kids uh, driver charged absolutely all that stuff, horrible right? that's yeah. right now the fact that the driver was charged indicates to me obviously that fault lies with the other driver mm-hmm. and why that's important because uh, clearly uh, uh, brandon's friend and family members frankly are going to be entitled to certain compensation and it could be very, very significant. So let me just run you through some of them. The fact that his friend can't work means he's probably going to be eligible to uh, for income replacement benefits, which, if he has a standard policy, would uh, provide him with up to $400 a week unless he's got optional benefits that he paid for for insurance. But there's going to be medical rehabilitation benefits. There's going to be a whole slew of benefits that he can access through his own insurance company. Now, what do we do with the insurance company for whoever hit him, right? Remember, it's a different policy, potentially a different insurance company that we have to, we have to let them know ASAP that there is, in fact, going to be a claim here by Brendan's friend and family members. Now, remember, he's unable to work. So potentially with these kinds of injuries, he's going to have very significant losses into the future. Uh, maybe his insurance company is not going to be, his own insurance company is not going to be able to pay for all of the medical rehab that he's going to need. Well, who picks that up? Whoever picks that up is going to be likely the insurance company for the other driver. What about you know the, the, the income losses in the future? Maybe he'll be able to go back to his kind of work as an engineer. Perhaps he won't be. Again, we have to advise the other insurance company as soon as possible of that. Now, something that many people don't really realize or don't know, even when they speak with lawyers that deal in this area of law, Uh, is that oftentimes with very severe injury, actually with any injury, but particularly with severe injuries, the family members are also allowed to advance their own claims. So he's got kids, he's got a wife, you know, there's other people, perhaps his wife now is going to be taking care of him, she's going to have to reduce her hours, kids are being affected, they're going to have out-of-pocket expenses. Well, guess what? The law allows you to advance all of these claims for your family members under legislation called the Family Law Act. You can Google that, okay? I'm not mm-hmm. making this up. But a lot of people fail to understand that and they're not given the proper advice when they do seek legal advice. So again, very important that as soon as you're involved in an accident like this, hopefully you have a friend as good as Brandon who's gonna look out for you because you're just focused on getting better. Uh, but you really do need to understand all of your legal options. You need to understand what you need to do 
and when you need to do it. Uh, that's very important, when you need to do it. But, but who you get that information from is really critical too. So it is. Part, part of what you were talking about at the beginning was um, the income replacement benefits um, and the medical and rehab benefits, uh, which are which are required to be paid by your own insurance company. Now, that is just an insurance claim, and if you have injuries as serious as Brandon's friend, um, in those circumstances, I would be very surprised if an insurance company didn't willingly pay those. Um, the the critical thing, though, is that you know Brandon's friend here is probably not going to be in a position where he's going to be able to fill out all of the forms and manage his um, accident benefits claim. And that's where you know having competent representation, particularly a law firm like Semfiru Tamarkin, um, really comes in handy. We don't charge our clients anything for accident benefits that we recover where the insurance companies voluntarily pay it. We'll manage the accident benefits claim and we're not gonna take anything as long as the insurance company is voluntarily paying those benefits. And in this particular case, Brandon's friend isn't gonna have an issue with that until well down the road. Now at some point, an insurance company is an insurance company and they'll eventually try and, you know, try and cut Brandon's friend off. But until that time, you know, they don't have to worry about, you know, paying legal fees on the accident benefits. We don't charge those. That's, I, n- I never even considered that because it's that they're, they're forking it over already, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh. But, but I can tell you that there are all kinds of representatives, lawyers, paralegals in our industry. Uh, and not all of them work the same way. Right. Uh, and, you know, as far as we're concerned, I just, I just, you know, James is right. And I don't really talk about that uh, as much as I should, I think. Um, but, you know, ultimately, if the insurance company is going to pay you that, whether or not we're involved, then why should we get a cut out of that? Sure. I mean, some people will tell you, well, it's because we're managing your claim. You know what? Yes, we're managing your claim. But right now, you need the money. You mm-hmm. need the money to survive. Cool. So we're not touching any of that. Down the road, we'll see what happens if the insurance company cuts you off, as they always do. But at least, you know, we'll also be in a position to take them on. So, again, uh, if you know someone the way Brendan does, uh, a family friend, a colleague, somebody who's been injured severely, uh, have them contact us or you take the step and contact us. Put us in touch with them. Let us give them the legal advice they need to know how to proceed. Good for another week. Got to thank uh, Luigi stopping by. The Dr. Payne Show, of course, Saturdays here on this radio, uh, very radio station at noon. Till next time, one 9646 You need to go to hold of Savannah and his team. Help at theinsurancelawyer.ca. And when you have some time, check out the injury calculator. Find out the pain and suffering component of your claim. Injurycalculator.ca as well. Till next time, the Insurance and Injury Law Show, Talk Radio, AM640.